Warning, 30 Screams or Less may contain spoilers about movies that have recently been released. If you haven't seen the movie, go watch it, come back, and enjoy the show. Or, if you don't want to waste your time watching the movie and rather have two random horror dudes watch it for you, we got you covered as well. Welcome everyone to 30 Screams or Less, a horror movie podcast where we review horror movies in 30 minutes or less. Today's movie we're going to be reviewing, and this is a movie I've been wanting to talk about for some time, The Black Phone, directed by Scott Derrickson, written by Joe Hill. And actually, we just did a movie that's written by Joe Hill, but with Stephen King on the last one. Uh, it's also written by Scott Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill. It's starring Mason Thames as Finney, Madeline McGraw as Gwen, and Ethan Hawke as the Grabber. The plot is, after being abducted by a child killer and locked in a soundproof basement, a 13-year-old boy starts receiving calls on a disconnected phone from the killer's previous victims. With that in mind, 30 Screams or Less starts now. Corey, what did you think of The Black Phone? So this is another movie that you and I have, as soon as it came out, you and I enjoyed it like a lot. We talked about it. It came out last year and then, yeah, we decided to do an episode on it. So we both rewatched it today. Um, this is such a hidden gem of a movie. It's it's not even funny. Um, Ethan, I was probably be one of Ethan Hawke's best performances, honestly, and he's a villain in this movie. So, yeah, I think that this movie is going to eventually be a cult classic. Uh, it did well, I think, right, in the theaters, or maybe it did, like, moderately well. And Ethan Hawke, he definitely needs, like, some sort of recognition. I know he's been up for Academy Awards, like, uh, getting uh, Best Supporting Actor, things like that. But I think he's due for some sort of Oscar, because this guy is on fire like in every movie he tends to be in he gives it like his all it seems and especially in this one he was just so menacing i loved him as the villain which you often don't see you often see him as the protagonist and uh you know the good guy yeah for sure like this isn't a role you typically see him in at all and he absolutely nails it and i mean like this movie starts like as soon as it starts it's it's pretty much right off the bat mm -hmm. this kid bruce get taken Tooken gets taken? He Where gets taken. Where'd you get that from, Tooken? I don't know. It's, you know, like taken. Oh, okay. Tooken, like, uh, you know, the kids are saying these days. Is that like new slang? Is that yeah, something a, I need to learn from Urban Dictionary? It's a TikTok thing, probably. Oh, probably. Yeah, probably a TikTok thing. Yeah. They all are. Yeah, this this kid gets taken, like, right as the movie starts. Yeah, and he's obviously... Like, so it starts out with, like they're playing little league baseball and Finney is the pitcher and he's pitching to this kid, Bruce, and he's throwing fucking heat at Bruce and Bruce can't hit him. And then, uh, he finally takes him deep and then the game, they like shake hands. Bruce says, you know, congrats. Like you pitched a great game. And like Bruce is, what was he walking home? And then the, the van just pulls up and he gone. Yeah. He gone. Uh, he does mention one little thing, uh, like, um, sick arm or, you know, great arm or something like that which does come into play later on when obviously we find out that this kid is one of the victims and he starts talking to uh, Finn like as part of one of the victims. So here's what I'm thinking. If I see, like, if I'm a parent and 
in my neighborhood, I see a black truck just around, you know, a black van rolling around, I'd be like, I don't like that. You know, it's just kind of going around the uh, block, you know, looking at things. I feel like that would be quite sus. Am I wrong? No, you're 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 100% right. I mean, the only thing this van was missing to make it creepier was a free candy sign on the side of it. <laughs> yeah. You can't trust a van, like a black van that says abracadabra on the side with no windows whatsoever. I mean, to me, it's like, eh, that looks a little bit child kidnapper-ish. Weren't they even talking in the beginning of the movie about how there's been someone going around taking kids who's got a black van with black balloons that come out the back of it? Yeah. And actually, I don't even know if they mentioned the black balloons because they, when the cops were interviewing Gwen, because Gwen uh, dreamt uh, one of the kids going missing, the cops are like, how did you know there were balloons? That wasn't made available to the public. And she clearly told her brother that because when her brother later on gets abducted by the grabber, he looks into the van and is just like, are those black balloons? So right away, he knew that was the grabber. And, you know, that's when he gets abducted. I thought they did mention it at some point, but maybe I made that up. Maybe you did. Maybe I missed it because this is a movie I would love to go back and watch again. I think it's great. I think it's going to be talked about for quite some time. So I meant to meant to say, I, I think I remember why this movie kind of flew under the radar. Um, I'm pretty sure Barbarian came out at the same time as this. Oh, okay. So it probably got annihilated by Barbarian. Or, wait, are the, aren't they both Bloomhouse? Um, let me uh, consult the internet here. Because I think I was just talking about them both being Bloomhouse movies coming out at the same time. I was close. So June 2022 was Black Phone. And then September 2022 was Barbarian. So a few months apart, there was something that came out at the same time as Black Phone. I think you're right. I feel like there was some sort of competition which kind of pushed it under the radar. So I had that same feeling earlier. I just can't place what movie it was. And I'm sure once the podcast is over, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Because we always seem to. We're just like, ah, oh, damn, I meant to put that in the podcast. That type deal. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So. 2022 was fucking crazy. Uh, X also came out. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of uh, good horror movies that are in that time. And I think Bloomhouse, A24, whatever, all that shit was coming out. A lot of bangers. Lot Pearl of bangers. was September. Oh, my God. Yeah, Pearl, okay. Pearl was also fantastic. I love the end of Pearl when she has this big smile and she's just, you see her just starting to cry and stuff. And clearly she's just doing that the whole time. It's not like it's some sort of looped video or nothing like that. It's not a still at all. Which I think that's very impressive. That's great acting right there. Oh, yeah. Mia Goth is awesome. I can't wait for uh, Maxine. I think I read that they just wrapped filming. So hopefully that comes out this year. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, what's it? It's September now? Uh, a few months. If if anything, I would say early next year. That would be my guess. But yeah, who knows? It. Maybe they'll rush it. Yeah, I'll take it. Unless they release that during Christmas time, which would be hysterical. Yeah. They'll just release a movie that's borderline... 80s porn during Christmas. We'll have a, another Christmas movie to review then because we're going to do the mean one still. Oh, yeah. We'll do it like a double hitter. Dude, did I tell you that the mean one, what I found out recently, who plays the Grinch? Yeah, it was David Howard Thornton. Did you know that? Not at first, but then you told me. I was like, no fucking way. I had no yeah, idea. I had no it idea either. Makes absolute sense. Isn't he a bit hokey, crazy, uh, the Grinch in this movie as well? Yeah. Like he's kind he's of just like, like a, he's very animated. He's like a diet Jim Carrey. Yeah. I, I can see that. A diet Jim Carrey. So okay. we were talking about how, like, Bruce gets taken, like, almost instantly. Mm -hmm. And then, like, we meet um, 
what's that kid's name? Robin? Robin. We meet Robin. He's he's outside just fist fighting some bully. And then he just tenderizes this guy's face. I thought he killed him. Dude, back in those days, you could basically borderline commit attempted murder. And it's like, boys will be boys. You know, that's idea. Yeah. Yeah, just, now you get charged with assault. Now it's yeah. a, but kids are swinging for the fences these days. They want to just slug people and, you know, cause brain damage. Back then, maybe maybe we did get brain damage, but we just thought it was a fight. I mean, but I, later on, we're forgetting everything. So Yeah, I mean, like, am I the only one that got vibes of this kid, Robin, of like a young Patrick Swayze? He was so badass. He was. It was like fucking Patrick Swayze from Roadhouse. If he had a saying, Robin would be like, pain don't hurt. I'd be like, uh, yeah, it does. That's why it's called pain, you asshole. Oh, oh God. man. So then, Patrick. like, yeah. So then, like, baby Patrick Swayze beats the shit out of this kid. And we mm-hmm. cut to, like, the next scene where we meet Finney and Gwen's father, who is an alcoholic. And, uh, dude, I got uncomfortable with this part. Yeah. When he, like, when he starts yelling at Gwen. Mm, yeah. When it comes to child abuse, not a fan. No. Nah. No. Zero tolerance for that stuff. Because dad thinks his daughter's crazy because she's having these dreams where she can see like things that have happened. And um, the mother had the same abilities, apparently. And he's trying to tell his daughter that she is crazy and she doesn't see things like her mother. Mm -hmm. And like Gwen pulls a bottle of vodka from his stash and like just drops it on the ground intentionally. And he just starts wailing on her with a belt. And you see Fiddy in the background just kind of watching it. Yep. Which, and he, you, you know what I thought was funny, too? He's like, you dropped my $8 bottle of vodka. And I'm thinking yeah. to myself, that's it? Dude, it was, it's a it was, I was going to say, it's 1978. If it was like Grey Goose, oh, my God. Like, I'd be like, what the fuck? That thing's like $35. Yeah, it'd have been, it'd have been more than a belt. I'll tell yeah. you. I would have been like, you punk. Go, uh, go to your room. No iPad. So, like, after this happens and we, we see ben, uh, Patrick Swayze get picked up by the grabber. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, who I if I saw that and I was just walking, I'd be like, nah, fuck this. I'm out. I will just go in the opposite direction because that's fucking creepy as anything. A black van that obviously everyone knows someone's going around in a black van abducting children. I would have seen that right away and went, nope. But then if I saw someone coming out looking like the fucking Jack the Ripper, I'd be like, I think I'm fucking going to run out of the way here. Yeah. Fuck this. Yeah. No. So, yeah, he was super creepy in it. And then uh, this is when, you know, Robin's gone at this point. And Robin was kind of Finn's protector. He was Finn's muscle. Right. And Finn tends to get uh, bullied, all that stuff. So, yeah, Robin is Finn's muscle. And now that Robin's gone, Finn is getting bullied by this group of kids. And they're pushing him down. They're beating him. And Gwen comes out from fucking left field, hits one of the kids with a rock in the face. And, and the others beat her up, too. But she's such a badass. And you kind of see that a little bit at the beginning, that she's a badass. And then later on, she's like, what the fuck, Jesus? Yeah, dude, she literally came out of nowhere with like a boulder and just claps this dude in the side of the head. Oh, God. And yeah, There's you see like blood pouring out and the kid's just sitting up against a fence just like. That's what I was saying. He's like sitting up against a fence just like a faucet on the side of his head <laughs> yeah. and just sits down next to him. Yeah, like they were like, oh, good fight, huh? Good fight. Yeah. That kind of deal. So, um, yeah, she slugs this kid in the, the head. Blood is just pouring everywhere. He looks like he's just completely lethargic. She's up against the fence with him, like, ah, oh, damn, what a hell of a fight. You know, good game. That kind of deal. And then we cut to the next part where Finn's in class and we find a love interest. But this is a really short 
uh, love interest. But the next scene is when Finn gets abducted. He gets tooken. He gets tooken. So he's, <laughs> he, he's like walking home from school. And the, again, this non-creepy black fan just pulls up and the grabber gets out of his van and asks Finn if he wants to see a magic trick. And then, yeah. the, then the balloons come out. And then yep. didn't didn't Finn look in the back of the van and then Grabber just tosses him in? Yeah, he's like, those look like black balloons. And then uh, the Grabber opens the door, a big, uh, like a whole bunch of black balloons come out and he grabs them and hides them with the black balloons. But then what he does is he sprays what I think is, uh, and I looked it up earlier, and it was hornet spray, apparently. That's what he, he could, would use is hornet spray. To knock out a human? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know what hornet spray can do. I'm assuming if it's enough to kill a bunch of hornets, it's enough to freaking knock out a human being, at least for a little bit. I guess so, damn. Yeah, and I don't know if that was the same stuff that uh, Harry Wendell Crumb used in Split, but maybe, remember the beginning of Split where the three girls get abducted and he sprays them in the face with something? Yeah, it could be. It could have been chloroform, too. That, too. I don't know how chloroform comes whether it's a liquid or a spray i'm not sure but could have been that too actually you know why you're right because most of the time you see someone put like chloroform in like a face cloth and sneak up from behind someone and hold it over their face so i don't know if it comes in spray form too and i'm not about to look that up just do it in an incognito window oh yeah i can use my tor browser to pull that up too oh, yeah fuck it yeah that way the fbi won't uh look me up and go ah um, this kid's a bit serial killery He's just, nah, he's just doing a podcast. He was doing some research. Yeah, I'm just doing research on a podcast. He can't knock me for that. No. So at this point, he's abducted. He's thrown into the basement. And this is when we really start to see the grabber and these thick masks that he has. These things are awesome. And they're made by Jason Baker. But Jason Baker makes all these awesome masks. He made the masks for this movie. He made masks for The Fiend. Uh, Bray Wyatt's character, rest in peace. And he's done a few other things too. But I, I didn't know that he made this. You didn't know that, huh? Yeah, I no. looked it up. It was uh, Callisum Studios. But yeah, yeah were, if you see off. there, it's like he did uh, like Bray Wyatt. He's done Slipknot stuff. He's done a whole bunch of masks. I guess that, like that's his thing. Is that? I thought that was uh, Sasha Banks for a second there. So this is where we start seeing these sick masks. And you just you're looking at the grabber and he's just so menacing looking, but he's he's very um how do I want to explain this? Like um almost like he's trying to be likable to the kid. You know, he's like, Oh, I'm not gonna hurt you. Everything's gonna be fine. You know, he's trying to be buddy buddy with his uh future victim. Yeah. And I think that's part of his MO is that he tries to be buddy buddy with them and he goes through a whole process up until the point where naturally he kills the victim. So I think that's just the first step is he shows them the mask so they can't see his face and he starts talking to them, telling them, I'm not going to hurt you. Uh, everything's fine. And then it starts to kind of go into this downward spiral where he's like watching them sleep and he's got a different type of mask on. And every time he comes down, he's like changing the mask. It's really cool. Yeah. That was one of my favorite things about this movie is every single time you see him, he's wearing a different mask and each one of them is sort of like, I didn't notice it till later on my second viewing, but it's sort of like a puzzle piece. Like the last scene of the movie when he's chasing Finn out of the house, mm -hmm. he pulls only the top part of it off. You know, and you're then right. You can, and then he's just covering his mouth part. So you can see his the human eyes and everything and this human forehead. You just yep. can't see the bottom part. 
Yeah, and I don't know if maybe that's to show that he's a human, but he doesn't want to show all his face, and he just wants to like try to be friends with him. He's like, well, I just came out in here to watch you. And obviously, that's probably just one of his uh, MOs. So when it comes to serial killers, obviously, they often have like a pattern. They, they do things a certain way, and this is probably just the way he does things. He, at first, tells them, you know, the nice things that they're going to be okay. And then he, you know, in a separate mask, watches them sleep. Third one, he comes downstairs with food this time, but he actually keeps the door open. So uh, giving his victim the opportunity to escape. Yeah. And later we find out why. Yeah. Because he's upstairs and he wants to play naughty boy. Yeah. And he's, dude. And he's just sitting there looking like a brick shithouse. And, I've always known Ethan Hawke to be kind of like a scrawny looking guy, right? But I don't know what he did, but he looked like he was fucking massive in that chair. You he saw was. that, right? He, oh, he yeah. looked massive. He looked like he put some pounds on for that just muscle. He had like role. a 16 pack. Yeah. He was, uh, he looked very monstrous. Like if someone came upstairs and you saw that, I'd be like, I'm about to get my ass beat. And that's what he did. He walked yeah. upstairs, saw it, and he was just like, nope, went back nope. in the basement. Hard nope on that one. So I love, though, before, like, the grabber leaves him for the first time and Finn starts screaming. And the grabber is like, you can scream all you want. No one's going to hear you. I soundproof this room. Yeah. And, and, then then he's, he's, and then he starts screaming some more. And then you see, like, from outside uh, through the window that Finn is screaming. Can't hear him. It's just completely inaudible. And that's when Finn starts to get these phone calls. And at first I'm thinking maybe it's psychological, maybe it's uh, him going crazy, maybe it's something spiritual. But I guess from what the victims were saying on the phone is that the killer could hear the phone ringing too. And he chooses to ignore it because he doesn't think it's real. He thinks, you know, he's just going crazy. But yeah, he told him the phone doesn't work like multiple times. And you can see that the part that normally goes into the phone itself is disconnected. Yeah, exactly. And that's the whole point of this movie is that the phone is disconnected, yet this kid keeps getting calls from the victims. And you got to think, though, are these kids just in Finn's head like he's thinking what they would do in these instances? Or is it an actual spiritual type phone where he's actually has this direct line to the afterlife right so i was thinking the same thing like for all the kids that got captured before finn did were they going through the same exact experience see that's what i would think uh that's why some of them were able to tell him the next step so basically one of them would say um yeah you don't want to go upstairs because that's when he wants to play naughty boy another thought i had too was what if finn had some sort of ability like his sister did oh that's a good point and that Finn just never really tapped into it maybe until now. Right. That's I don't a, know. Yeah. It's probably really far-fetched, but. You know, I don't knows. think it's that far-fetched. I think it's actually a pretty uh, solid theory because why would sister only have those abilities if, you know, they have the same mother? You right. would think some of that would be given to the son as well, and like as opposed to between just strictly one child. Yeah. yeah. So maybe he just ignored it. Maybe he had uh, just no idea that these were kind of living inside him, this ability. And he would always say to his sister, those are just dreams. And now maybe it's manifesting. It's coming out. It, and he's starting to think like his mother would. So that's why I kind of had that thought because like, how else is Finn just going to start hearing the voices of these kids that have been killed by the grabber? Like, I, I don't remember who the first kid he talks to was, but he tells him about the, the floor 
and where he needs to pull up the floorboards to dig. Yeah. Like, how did that person know that was there? Exactly. I mean, he wouldn't have known. So maybe he is tapping into this afterlife where these kids reside. Like, they're stuck in this kind of limbo altogether, waiting to, I don't know, maybe move on, or, and they have to make sure that the killer dies before they can. I don't know. But I think maybe the traumatic experience for Finn probably unlocked that ability, which is why he's able to hear the phone. But that doesn't really explain why the killer also had that ability, unless they are in tune psychologically to like that force. Who knows? So yeah, at this point, he's starting to get calls that are telling him what he needs to do. So yeah, one of them told Finn to dig up the ground by a certain area, just start digging, start digging, and just keep digging. And then another one, obviously, was to say, don't go up the stairs, uh, because that's when he's going to play the Naughty Boy game. And he gives him the code to get out, because the grabber, I should say, locked the door with a padlock. And it was one of those combination locks, actually. Not a padlock, combination lock. I, lo I love that, because that padlock was the padlock this kid that the grabber had previously killed. Um, the child had used it to lock up his bike. And when the child was locked in the basement... He carved the combination into the wall with a bottle cap. Yeah. And, and he told must have, Finn where to find it. Yep. And he must have known that this is maybe the end for me. I should probably just put it down in case someone comes after me and needs this code. So uh, all these kids were leaving behind these kind of ideas or things in order to help Finn get out. And I think that goes hand in hand with, you know, the ability to maybe tap into that afterlife. But I thought that was really cool. And then you had this one kid, I can't remember his name, but he kind of reminded me of Billy from Stranger Things, you know, with the big blonde curly hair. Yeah, we see the flashback of him playing pinball. Exactly. Yeah, we see him and he's given Finn shit because he's kind of a dick. And then he's like, yeah, you see that spot in the wall, two inches or a few inches above the socket, you just make your way through and you'll get to the storage room. And this part was rough because Finn gets through by using the top of a toilet. We know the cover. Yeah. And he's he's using that cover and he's smashing the wall, smashing the wall. He finally makes it through and he ends up using more parts from the toilet to unscrew this plate from that wall. And it's funny that all these things that he's doing based on the information provided from the victims leads up to a certain scenario at the end. It's very cool. And so like, yeah, he gets into the freezer and he's thinking he can get out, but the freezer is locked and it's got all this meat in there. And now this is at, he's at this point where he's starting to cry. He's thinking he's out of ideas, out of options. And then he gets a call from Robin, you know, his friend, his muscle, who is saying you have to be strong. And the reason why we're friends is because we're both strong. We're both tough, that thing. And he's telling him what he needs to do, how to attack the grabber. And so what happens now, Corey, is that, Obviously, the grabber comes down. No, correction. You know what? We should go back. Max. We have to talk about Max. Oh, yeah. Max, the cop. Yeah, or the quote, end quote, cop. The guy who's trying to solve the crimes of these kids just disappearing. He's basically like an undercover guy helping with police officers. Yeah, and the try cops and solve the like, crime of the grabber, basically. Yeah, and the cops are like, well, you know, you're doing a great job. Uh, just let us know if you see the kids. So and, after Finn gets this last call in the basement there from Robin, he decides or, and get the dead end in the freezer. And he learns about Naughty Boy at this part from Robin. Mm -hmm, yeah. And he decides, uh, you know, it's time. I'm going to make a break for it. So he goes upstairs. He figures out the correct combination for the lock and he yeah. runs. 
But in the process, he wakes the grabber up who's sleeping in a chair in the kitchen. Yeah. And the line that this grabber said was so gnarly. It's so brutal. He says, I'll strangle you with your own intestines. So brutal. <laughs> he says it to a kid. Yeah. Obviously, if someone said, I'm going to strangle you with your own intestines, I might keep quiet for a minute. Yeah. You can, uh, you can do whatever you want to do. It's fine. Yeah, just, um, you know what, whatever, we'll go back. It's fine. We'll reconvene about this later. We'll talk about the intestines later. Let's just go back. And so the uh, grabber brings him back to the house, throws him in the basement. And this is where it starts getting to the end where he knows his time's up. Robin is saying, you know, your time's almost up. You have to fight back now. So we cut to Max and Max was the guy we met earlier. He He's invested in the grabber case and he's like oh all of this is happening here and he needs to get back to his house uh so he must live in this vicinity and as he's doing his uh this cocaine and he's looking at the map and he's just like holy shit he figures it out he figures out that the location is smack dab in the middle of where he's living so he ends up just on a whim going downstairs which who doesn't go downstairs of their own house and realize that, oh, maybe there's something going on down here. I sometimes go in the basement just to check things out or whatever. But the whole time the grabber is just bringing kids down and Max isn't noticing. It's a little, maybe he's just too fucking high all the time. He did do a lot of cocaine. He did. He did a lot of cocaine. But I would think if you're doing a lot of cocaine, you would be like up and up and at him already just go, go, go. But apparently... For him, he's just completely out of it. He doesn't know what the hell's going on. But he goes downstairs and he sees Finn in the basement. And he's just like, holy shit, I knew something was up. You want to know how I knew? And he was about to tell him how he knew that this was the location. And then from behind, the grabber smashes an axe into his own brother's head. Max was his brother. Yeah, that's the big reveal. Um, yep. Grabber was like, see what you made me do to my brother? And you were like, oh, fuck. Yeah, and uh, he was an idiot, but he was my idiot. Yeah. And uh, there's actually two reveals in this movie, which I thought were great. So this is the first reveal. The first reveal is finding out that Max is actually the brother of the grabber, and then Max dies. But Finn, Finn uh, was following all the advice from the previous victims, and he runs away from the grabber, and he set up all these traps based on what the previous victims told him to do. So the grabber... He trips and falls into this hole, breaks his ankle, and Finn is now just attacking the grabber with the black phone. And it's weighted because he was putting dirt in it. And he just, he's smashing the grabber, just keeps smashing him, smashing him. And then finally, he grabs the cord, wraps it around the grabber's throat, and just puts the phone up to his ear. And that's when the grabber starts hearing all of his victims. And... I would think this is the point where the grabber finally realizes, oh shit, what I've been hearing the whole time is actually real to him. That whole scene with um, Finn beating the shit out of grabber was pretty awesome. I thought it was awesome too. And yeah, he choked him out and eventually broke his neck. And so grabber's dead at this point. And, but what I didn't mention earlier is that the grabber brought down a big dog, right? And this dog, he's a big boy and he's barking at Finn. Samson. Samson. I want to talk to Samson. Fly me to the moon. I'd be dancing. <laughs> yep. Yep. That was a dog's name. So Samson, he's barking. He's uh, clearly trained by the grabber to mess with the kids. And, you know, there's no such thing as bad dogs. There's bad owners. So bad owner, naturally. But what happened earlier is, you remember how 
he was trying to get into the freezer to get out into that storage room and escape. So having the back panel of the freezer open thawed some of the meat in there. So he takes one of the steaks and he throws it at the dog and he's able to get out. Now, uh, actually, we should take a step back too because the whole time Gwen is dreaming of this stuff happening, all these instances, right? And she's able to see kind of a house number and a tree where that house is so she can narrow down specifically where that house was, right? And so she goes to the house, she calls the cops, the cops go in, the house is completely empty. And so they're like, oh, there's a basement. They go down to the basement and they see all of those bodies buried in the basement. So we've established that the house she was dreaming of wasn't even the house where the grabber was killing people. This one that she found was the one where the kids were being stored. Didn't John Wayne Gacy do this? I think so. I know John Wayne Gacy uh, would kill people at his house and store them all in the crawl space of his house. So naturally, that started yeah. getting a little smelly. But I thought it was a different house. Like, it was the same idea. It was the one across the street from the one he lived in. Oh, was it? But I, I know. I, could, he, I don't know. Yeah, I know he at least did that. I know he at least stored them in a crawl space. I just don't remember if it was like a house or like a secondary house, that type deal. But yeah, so they go down, they see all the bodies. And meanwhile, it's actually at a different house where all of this shit is happening. And the funny thing is um, it's across the street. So across the street, Finn is getting in a fight with the grabber. He goes up, he puts the code in that the kid gave him for the combination lock, goes out and sees his sister and the cops across the street. So the big reveal is that the grabber actually had two houses. One house was for burying the bodies and the other house was for killing the kids. Yeah. And then they showed like the basement of where he's been killing kids all these years and just, just fucking graves everywhere. Yeah, it was wild. The ending was pretty wild. I thought it was great. In my opinion, there wasn't a single flaw in this movie. No, no, no. This no, movie it, was, it was great. Yeah, it's going to be a cult classic one day. People are going to go back and be like, this movie was sick. It's an original concept. It's great. Um, but now that we went through the whole thing there, Corey, what do you give it? So this this is an easy five out of five dead kids for me. Um, I love the suspense factor of it. The, it was it's very original. Um, the score is amazing. I actually have this on vinyl. Um, mm -hmm. Waxwork did it. And the great visuals. And we talked about this before, but Ethan Hawke is just unreal as the villain. Yeah. Ethan Hawke is fantastic in this movie. He should definitely get more credit. I think one day people are going to look back at this movie and want to you know, dress up as him for Halloween or some shit, if they can get a mask looking like that. Someone, I think it might be Trick or Treat Studios sells them. Oh, really? I would love to have that. That would be really cool. Have that up on my wall or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah they was... do. I'm looking at them right now. Yeah, funny you say dead kids because this movie was chocked full of them. Oh, yeah, so, definition of dead kid. Yeah, so if we put a dead kid meter on our website, which, like I said, Google is probably not going to be too happy about, uh, it's the scale is going to be tilted with this movie because that's all he did was kill kids. That's that's his M.O. He just kills kids. He kidnaps them, he kills them, and that's just goes on his day. You know, just that's what he does. Um, but I think there were a few throwbacks in this movie that little references right so there's one point where gwen is uh riding her bike and she's wearing a yellow raincoat and, and this is obviously when it's raining i'm thinking to myself is that a callback to it chapter one georgie georgie you know georgie wearing the yellow jacket in the rain except obviously she didn't get her arm bit off but the uh the visuals are there right 
So I'm thinking maybe that's a callback to It Chapter 1, like an homage to it. It could be because, I mean, Joe Hill, I mean, his, his dad is Stephen King. That makes perfect sense now. Mm-hmm. I, it didn't even dawn on me with the Joe Hill, but now it makes sense that it could have been just an, a quick homage to his dad. Or even just the director's like, hey, we want to pay an homage to your dad and just do this one little quick thing. And Joe's probably like, whatever, cool. I, I just assume Joe talks like that. Okay. <laughs> it's whatever, cool. All right. Whatever. All right. Hey, yeah, I write horror novels. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't done that in a while. We just need a shirt that goes, yeah. And then we'll get sued by WWE for LA Night. What, does he do that? Yeah, he does, yeah. Oh, he took our shit? Yeah, he took our shit. Everyone we should sue shit. him. Yeah, let's do that. And then LA Knight's like, no. I got you. And yeah. he shows us stuff from like Impact. Can you guys like, go buy some merch so we can afford a lawyer? We're going to sue yeah. a WWE wrestler. Yeah. Good luck. Rest in peace. 30 screams or less. We didn't even make it a year. Yeah. Our lawyers, we get off the back of some sort of magazine. Yeah. We, yeah, we mail them in, cut them out, mail them in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mail this in for a free estimate. It's like, what estimate? What estimate do I need right now? I don't know. So I do give it a five out of five as well. I thought this movie was great. Awesome score, awesome visuals, um, original concept, which is something I feel like you don't see enough of these days. And that's one of the biggest things for me is that original concept. Ethan Hawke held it in this. He was menacing. And I think he really dove into this role. And I think for future generations, people are going to go back, look at this movie, or maybe stumble upon this movie and go, holy shit, this is great. And then they'll show it to their theater class or something. You know what? I I think I picture Ethan Hawke like preparing to play this character, similar to Heath Ledger as the Joker. Like you have to get your mind to a certain spot to be fucked up to portray Mm -hmm. that particular character. Because like the grabber was, he was fucking demented. I could see that. I mean, you have to be a really good actor to portray that kind of depravity right and Heath Ledger he really dove into that character he basically lived the Joker character it literally killed him basically killed him it kind of drove him crazy and I wouldn't be surprised either if Ethan Hawke actually really dove into the character like that who knows maybe read uh serial killer things and tried to get into the mind of maybe Gacy and you know stuff like that I yeah. don't know. Maybe we should just get Ethan Hawke on the podcast. We'll interview him. No big deal. Call him up. Yeah. Hey, uh, I know you were an Oscar nominee, but do you have a few minutes? Can you like, spare like maybe three minutes? That's all we need. Yeah, that's it. Hey, quick question. That's the interview. We just do quick questions with stars. And then he runs out of time. Yep. He's like, oh, that was, uh, you said three minutes. Uh, we're at 301. Sorry, I got to go. It's like, okay, bye. That would be just our luck. That's what we should just do for interviews. Like, we won't even have a full 30 minutes. We'll interview, like, Doug Bradley and be like, got a quick question for you. And that's the interview. Thank you. That's all we can afford. Sorry. Yep. That's um, that's our shtick. A quick question with 30 screams or less. So we're going to change the name to the podcast. Uh, no, we'll have a spinoff. A quick okay. question. It'll be the shortest podcast ever. We'll get in the Guinness World Records, three minutes or less. And that will be the one question, and hopefully they can answer it in less time. But if they start getting to three minutes, you're like, oh, I'm going to have to cut you off there. Thank you very much. Have a good night. Yeah, we're, we, we can't afford what it actually costs to have you on here. Sorry. No, exactly. They could be like, I've never been cut off on an answer. What the hell? I'd be like, hey, that's the podcast. You took Sorry, guys. I was, that was our budget. Yep. Yeah, our budget was about $50, and we're now at 51 so we got to go. Yeah, we're bankrupt. Yep. So, which is... All the reason why people need to visit our merch store at 30screamsoless.com and buy some stuff. Oh, yeah, that's up now. 
Yes, it is. It's up now. The bugs are fixed. Good to go. You can even pay with Apple Pay, Google Pay, all that stuff. Oh, no shit. We're, yeah. we're, we're moving on up. Yeah, we're moving on up to the east side. What the east side? Do a deluxe apartment in the sky. Is this a Fresh Prince of Bel-Air lyrics? No, no. This is the Jeffersons. I went way back. To your time frame? Yeah, I guess your so. Time period? That's Fucking... like, like a decade before me. Okay, I wasn't no, even no, born no. yet. You weren't, yeah, you weren't even born yet. When the Jeffersons come out, I think it might have been early 80s, maybe 1979. Let's see. That was 1975, 13 years before me. All right. Yeah. But for some reason, I still know the the intro music. Oh, you know one one thing I did want to mention? Uh, Max in this movie, did you think he looked a little bit like the kid from It Chapter 1? The kid that was like talking about gazebos? He's like, you're feeding me gazebos instead of placebos. Yeah, I did see it. I looked at him like, oh shit, they really do look a lot alike. I could see that for sure. Yeah, I thought that was funny. It was like, holy shit, wow. So that's our review of The Black Phone. Uh, Highly, highly, highly recommend checking it out. Five out of five for both of us. So everyone, we're going to actually be at Silver Scream Con. Corey has a guest pass for, what is it, Um, Exhibitor or some bullshit? I have no idea. I don't know. You got like some sort of VIP pass from them. Meanwhile, I had to pay. Whatever. I guess he can just have it. It's fine. It's fine. Hey, we don't know yet. Oh, press. He's got a press pass. Yeah, you got a press pass. So look for Corey with the press pass and Steve with the schmuck one. Schmuck one? Yeah. Here's your here's your schmuck pass for the weekend. It's like, yay, my three-day pass. Whatever. Hey, it's whatever. Hey, I think it's cool, though. It's, it's really cool that we've come to this point where we can actually get a press pass for a horror convention. I mean, who would yeah. have thought? Hey, we're coming up on a year. I know, right? So I'm going to have to mark that down as season two once we hit the uh, year mark. Because why not? Everyone, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on Facebook, X, Instagram, Threads, and YouTube. Leave us a five-star review on all podcast platforms so we can get some more exposure. And of course, tell your friends. We're also a part of the Shining Wizards Network. Be sure to visit ShiningWizardsNetwork.com. They're an awesome podcast network ranging from wrestling to heavy metal and horror and, and all that stuff. So definitely check them out. Visit 30screamsoless.com for all previous episodes and transcripts to go with those episodes. And if there's anything you want us to review, send us an email to 30screamsoless at gmail.com or hit us up on social media. Use that hashtag 30screamsoless and we'll talk that way. Also, buy our merch, please. You need to pay for hosting, but it is cheaper than GoDaddy. Uh, how is that even possible? We pay for worse service with GoDaddy. Yeah, I don't know. You know what? I'm done talking about them. I'm not going to give them any more of my time because it's like a free... It's like free, free advertising. It's free advertising to them. I don't know how it's good advertising. It's it's not. I mean, any press is good press, but I think people are like, what's GoDaddy? And look it up and then realize it sucks. Yeah, fuck them. <laughs> fuck them is right. All right, everyone. I'm Steve. And I'm Corey. And thanks for listening to 30 Screams or Less. And don't forget to drink your beans. Mm-hmm.